Hi, it's Katrina Hibbert, Frog, head coach of the Flames. Make sure you tune in on Shooting the Breeze, Fridays, 4pm. Today on Shooting the Breeze, we have the principal partner of Bryden's Lawyers, Lee Hedgepantelis. Lee, how are you? Excellent, Paul, and how are you today? Yeah, really well, thank you. Uh, it's good to have you on the show. And Lee, I know for some of our newer fans, they may not be sure how long Bryden's Lawyers have been sponsoring the Flames and been involved with the Flames. So would you like to give us a bit of an idea of how long you've been involved? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was 2013, in fact. And it's an interesting story. Uh, my general manager, Vicky Latch, received a cold call from Cameron Nichols, who was working with Sydney University Sport and Fitness at the time. And obviously, Cameron was something of a visionary and was looking for sponsors and approached us. Now, Cameron was a solicitor by trade, so um, that may explain why he reached out to a law firm. And I don't think that Brian's lawyers um, had actually ventured into sports sponsorship at that time, but we were fairly high profile because it's a firm that does a lot of advertising and has done so for many, many years. So he must have been aware of the firm and inquired as to whether we would be interested in sports sponsorship. So when it was brought to me, I was very curious for a number of, of reasons, and we invited Cameron out, and that um, initiated discussions with the university, which led to our sponsorship. So uh, for me at the time, it was um, uh, uncharted waters, uh, sports sponsorship, uh, but I was immediately attracted to the uh, the opportunity for a number of reasons, as I say. Firstly, it's Sydney University, my alma mater. I'm a graduate of Sydney University. Uh, Ian Edward Bryden, who is the founding father of Bryden's Lawyers, was a graduate, and he met his then uh, wife, Jen Bryden at Sydney University, uh, and I have three daughters as well, so I was always partial to women's sport and always cognizant of the challenges facing women's sport, particularly in funding and sponsorship and the like. So when the opportunity arose, uh, we seized it. Yeah, I was going to say, because normally sports sponsorship isn't something that's, nor that's associated with, with a major law firm. Um, uh, no, no, it's a very odd connection, and um, I'm very proud to say I think that we may have been the first, but definitely not the last. There are many who have followed our lead. It's been really interesting in watching how the relationship between the the, the Flames and Bryden's lawyers has developed over the last seven, nearly eight years. Well, I think that is a credit to those um, with whom we deal at Sydney University. I, I've often said that with any sponsorship, sporting or otherwise, there are two components. There's the, the business and the, the um, personal. Uh, in relation to the business, necessary to consider in any investment that there's going to be a return on that investment. And that's something that figures largely in our mind. But the personal component, though, will determine whether or not the deal gets across the line or not. If there's no personal component to the arrangement, if I don't get some level of personal satisfaction or enjoyment out of the sponsorship, then I won't bother. Uh, and with me, it's been an incredibly enjoyable seven years, and I look forward to it continuing. But as I said from the outset, I think that's a reflection on the quality of the people with whom I have dealt with in all that time. Initially, that was Cameron Nichols and also Robert Smithies and Karen Dalton. Uh, Cameron did not remain for very long. He moved on, I think, within a year or two. But Robert's, uh, Robert Smithies remained with the Flames up until the end of last year. And I've been blessed with that continuity of, um, of personnel and we have developed a, um, an excellent working relationship, and more importantly, a genuine friendship. And in fact, uh, I'll be having lunch with um, young Robert and Karen in the next couple of weeks as a catch-up. So for me, 
that's that's what cements the uh, the relationship, not, not the mere fact that I can look forward to some sort of commercial return on the investment, uh, but the fact that there is some personal component to it. And without the two elements of the sponsorship, um, I, I'm not I'm not interested. So, how do you find the change that's coming up with the Flames moving under the umbrella of the Kings organisation? Is going to how do you think that's going to work? Well, it's still very early days, of course, but um, the uh, owner of the Kings I know, and I've met him immediately upon securing of the Flames license, Paul reached out to me as the major sponsor, and he could not have been more welcoming or inclusive uh, than he was. So I, I think it's going to be an excellent working relationship. I, I think it's going to benefit not only the Flames, it will benefit Bryden's lawyers because the Kings have got a significant brand and I think we can leverage off that. Um, I'm hoping to develop the same sort of uh, personal relationship uh, with the Kings as I enjoy with the Flames. And I think that's going to be the case because Karen Dalton will be actually working uh, with, the, uh, with the Kings, I think, as from July this year. So I think, again, that continuity will be good for us. It'll embed the Bryden's lawyers brand uh, with the flames into the king's structure, and I think I think it's something that we're all going to benefit from. So I'm very excited by the opportunity. I mean, I've noticed that. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've seen you quite often at the games, and you're a very hands-on sponsor, and obviously that comes through in your relationships with with the the staff. But also, it's interesting you've touched on the the rugby league and the resp- and your involvement with rugby league. Now, that's obviously grown out of your relationship, uh, sports sponsorship, and the flames. Can you talk about how that's evolved and grown over time? Um, those who are involved in securing corporate sponsorship, particularly in sport, are very active in the marketplace. So if I sponsor the Flames, I will receive endless number of calls and inquiries about other sponsorship opportunities. Uh, in fact, I think, I think there's an industry, there's a, a sporting sponsorship industry, um, and they reach out to you quite readily. But then I was originally approached by uh, the West Tigers, and that was through Steve Blocker-Roach and Paul Sirinan two former greats, dropped their names, and they came out to speak to me about a Club 13 that they were putting together and whether or not I would be interested in buying uh, an exclusive membership within that Club 13, of course, referencing the number of players on the rugby league team. And so I did. I ended up buying two, I think, two sponsorships of that 13. By doing so, I came to the attention of the West Tigers as a club And it was shortly thereafter that I was approached about some more sponsorship opportunities. And we started off uh, fairly low level and it gradually built up over time where we uh, appeared on the sternum. And then it was about five years ago that we were offered the opportunity of becoming the major sponsor. And as you remarked earlier, we would have been the first law firm to take on that level of sponsorship of a a professional sporting organisation. And the NRL clubs are, of course, very, very high profile. They're on TV um, every week, uh, in the paper all the time. Um, It's a a, a very large organisation, very structured in terms of its marketing and commercial engagement and the like. So for us, it was a natural effort Evolution, but we've never forgotten our humble roots and we've remained true and loyal to the Sydney Uni Flames as from uh, that time and uh, intend to remain so. But no, no, I am indebted to the original sponsorship with the Flames because it did bring us to the attention of other sporting organisations and open doors for us. How do you feel that overall the sports sponsorship has specifically brought benefits to your firm? We maintain very detailed metrics as to where the work comes from, uh, the return on the investment, uh, and any other sort of key indicators that we can actually uh, measure. The problem is that it's very, very difficult to accurately measure branding. 
in the marketplace. Now, I know there are some organisations, in fact, Paul was originally involved in one quite some time ago, that would actually provide a report which would measure in dollar terms your branding of a particular organisation, whether it be sporting or otherwise. But it's very, very difficult, I believe, to actually put a dollar figure on that. And a lot of it still comes down to gut seal. When we commenced our sporting sponsorship with the Flames and then moved into the NRL, it became obvious that our brand was elevated to a whole new level. We became uh, very well known. And of course, that resulted in a significant increase in the volume of work that was coming to the firm and led to an expansion of Brides Lawyers to where it is today. So I could sit back as the principal and watch this and know myself what was working and what was not working. And as I say, the elevation of the firm in terms of its recognition within the marketplace, I felt was very significant. I think it reached the point where I satisfied myself that probably wasn't anyone in New South Wales who hadn't heard of Bryden's lawyers. And once you become so intrinsic in someone's mind that they associate you with sport, and sport, of course, is a very feel-good proposition, and people identify you with that, I think you can leverage off that. It doesn't matter how much branding or marketing that you do or leveraging or whatever the case might be. If you don't have the product, quality of the product to provide, it's not going to do you any good. So although we have uh, actively maintained a very high level of branding and marketing, my core focus has always been on the quality of the product that Brides Lawyers provides. There's no point in having um, the advertising without being able to provide the product. So I've always been able to maintain that balance. I have folk, I have a, a very active marketing team that looks after a lot of the, the marketing and the the commercial engagements, and my focus has always been, to a large extent, on ensuring the quality of the product that we produce, so that when someone comes to Bryden's Lawyers for a service, because of our branding, they stay because of the product that we provide, not the branding. It's an interesting point you raise, because uh, as I was uh, looking on your website, um, one of the things I realised is the breadth of services that Bryden's provides as a law firm. It's not just personal injury, which is Correct. obviously where you're known for, but you go, you, you run almost the full gamut of legal services. Uh, yes, and by necessity, uh, for two reasons. Firstly, uh, although Bryden's Lawyers was, for a large extent, specialising in personal injury work, there was a call for additional services from our clients, and it was remiss of us to be sending these clients away to other firms because we couldn't provide the services that they required. So we took the deliberate decision of extending our services, particularly in transactional matters. And what I mean by that is this. I don't do mergers and acquisition. I don't act for banks or insurance companies or the like. I don't do the big end of town work. We act for mums and dads and ordinary Australians, particularly in times of need. Family law matters, conveyancing, workers' compensation claims, claims for injuries on the road and the like. And so that then extended into superannuation, TBD and other specialised areas. And then we eventually opened and the criminal law division as well. So it's all the transactional type matters where people require assistance. And the second reason uh, that we did that is because I felt it was necessary to fully service the demographic that we're pitching for, which is those who turn up week in, week out, for example, to support um, the NRL, uh, those who turn up at the games, those who turn up to our sponsored clubs. So we needed to make sure that we provided a full service. Now, behind the scenes... Of course, we've had the challenges posed by changes in legislation by successive state governments, and they have, from time to time, reformed the personal injury schemes in New South Wales. And by reformation, we mean a diminution in the value of these claims and the level of benefits 
to injured persons for the benefit of insurance companies. Now, I could become very political now, but it has been the case since the uh, mid-80s that successive New South Wales governments, both Labor and Liberal, have systemically reduced the value and the availability of claims for the benefit of insurance companies. You haven't noticed, I would think, over that time, any significant reduction in your premiums. But let me assure you, the benefits available have reduced. So our reliance on personal injury work has therefore diminished, has been one area that we were servicing. Um, it is still our uh, major source of work, and I, I suspect it will always be so. But it's important, like at one stage, it would have been 95% of our work would have been uh, personal injury work. It's probably around the 60% mark today. So we have diversified by choice and by necessity. I've noticed that quite often you're, you're uh, providing services to, to those fans at games and at clubs, making it, I suppose, more accessible to people who may not actually be thinking about it, uh, engaging with a firm like Brydon's for things like uh, Wills, for example. Uh, no, too true. Uh, we've been very uh, acutely aware of where we fit in the marketplace. We are a southwestern law firm based in Liverpool, where we have been since 1968. Not me personally, I'm far too young for that. <laughs> but Ian Edward Bryden first ventured out to Liverpool in the late 60s, and he established Bryden's on his own probably in the early 70s. And we are today within 200 metres of his first office in Liverpool, and we will always remain office, uh, in Liverpool. It, it is our spiritual home, although we may have offices all throughout New South Wales. Uh, this is where we will remain. And I think being acutely aware uh, of where we are and where we are positioned in the marketplace, I think makes us capable of providing services and recognising the needs of our client base. And you're right, the people that turn up at games or other sponsored events are able to engage with Brighton's lawyers. I am uh, cognizant of the impression and the perception because I feel that perception is reality. I do not want to be seen as this very large and aloof law firm that people can't contact. I want, to be, I want to be seen as being readily available to assist, that we are the firm for uh, the ordinary Australians in times of their need uh, and capable of providing the assistance that they may require. And as many in this firm refer to us as generational lawyers, being that we were your grandparents' lawyers, your parents' lawyers, now we're your lawyers, and to provide all uh, legal needs that you may have. So that's how we want to be seen, and that's the level of engagement that we wish for with our client base. We want to make sure that our doors are open to everyone. Uh, we recognise that there is a perception that lawyers are expensive. I, I can't dispute that, but we want to make sure that we do everything that we possibly can to ensure that all of those who uh, require legal assistance are accommodated. I know that uh, with the Flames, there's been a few occasions where you've offered uh, services for wills, I believe. Correct. But also, what I think some people won't be aware of is that Bryden's lawyers has actually uh, assisted the, the Sydney Uni Flames to come up with a community program to be able to bring basketball to communities that may not get the ability to access uh, the team and the players. Uh, I can't take the credit for that. Uh, Karen Dalton should get all the credit for that community program. She came and presented it to us. And it was an incredible opportunity for us because Karen's a firm believer. Of course, I mean, I'm sure your listeners are aware of Karen's history, you know, a, a, an Olympian and a head coach and manager of the Flames for many, many years and a, and a huge success and a huge influence on the game itself, uh, particularly the women's basketball. And she came and offered us the opportunity of partnering with uh, the Sydney Uni Flames in developing a, a, a community program to introduce 
basketball to people and regions that would otherwise um, have it, where it would be unavailable traditionally. And we were more than happy to contribute. And my contribution was relatively simple. I signed the check. But as I say, credit to Karen in particular and her staff who promoted the campaign and started to develop the campaign. Uh, Unfortunately, the campaign has been hindered with the imposition of the pandemic. Uh, But I am certain that once that's past, uh, that community program will be reinstated. But it is another way of engaging uh, with the community. Um, And that's something that we are very, very conscious of. There's a synergy between us and Sydney University in recognising the importance of the community in these sorts of programs and the support that it provides to to the sport. And of course, as I say, from my perspective, I'm able to leverage off that by standing in the background and saying, well, look, you know, Brian's lawyers are here as well in case you ever need us. I think the approach that you take to sponsorship and engaging with the fans and engaging with the community is something that a lot of other organisations who sponsor sport could really look at using as a model. For anybody who's listening in who would be interested, who's considering sponsoring sport, what what benefits do you believe that it brings to an organisation? And more importantly, what would you recommend to them as their way to approach sport sponsorship? Uh, well, I think I think the benefits are twofold, um, internal and external. Like, speak internally, though, for the benefit of the firm. Uh, with our sports sponsorship, I've been able to avail all of my staff to various opportunities that they would otherwise not have had. Attending Flames games at, at Brighton Stadium, attending State of Origin games uh, interstate, attending NRL games, for example. All of these opportunities they wouldn't have been able to avail themselves otherwise. And there is nothing more enjoyable for me uh, as the as the principal and as the employer than sharing in these experiences with staff. What is the point of going to a state of origin game and sitting in a private suite on your own and watching rather than having all your staff or many of your staff with you? So these are the sorts of opportunities. Secondly, it also impresses upon the staff what the firm does in a real sense. That is that not only do we provide legal services to many to all of our clients, but we're able to, to use that and translate that into a community benefit, either through sponsorship of a, um, a sporting organisation or a community organisation, which we do a lot of. And we do a bit of charity work as well. We are sponsors of uh, the Leukaemia Foundation and Variety, the children's charity. So it's an opportunity for those who work with me to buy in to what I'm trying to do. And that's recognizing the corporate responsibility that we have and identifying how fortunate that we have been and making sure that we're able to give something back. Now, externally, for the benefit of the firm, sports sponsorship elevates the branding, the marketing, the level of uh, engagement with fans and potential clients. And there are those benefits as well. So for me, sponsorship of a sporting organization provides, it's a complete package. It is personally and professionally very, very rewarding. And as I said, internally and externally. So for others who are considering it, I think they should, and they should do it very seriously. And there is a number of factors I think that they can take into account. Firstly, identify your market. Identify the sort of sporting teams or organizations or leagues that your market may be inclined towards. And with me, as I said to you, my bread and butter are the people in the western suburbs of Sydney, extending all the way from Leichhardt through to Camden and beyond, who turn up week in and week out and sit on that hill and cheer on their NRL team. That has always been my demographic and always will be. And I think other other organizations who are interested in, in uh, sporting, uh, sorry, sponsorship of a sporting organization can perform a similar exercise. And if it's not a sporting organization, give consideration to sport to sponsoring a community organization or a club. For example, I sponsor uh, Mounties. I'm the principal sporting partner of the Mounties Club here at Mount Pritchard. They have 27 subcommittees uh, administering 27 different sports. 
Now, you think for a moment how many thousands upon thousands of children and parents and extended family are intertwined in those committees and the sports that are played. And of course, each and every one of them wears their jumper or jersey on the weekend bearing the Bryden's Lawyer's insignia and logo. So for me, that's a very clever marketing ploy. However, it is also a very professionally rewarding and personally satisfying program because Mounties is such an iconic Southwest Sydney institution. Uh, And so partnering with them uh, cements us within this community. So as I say, there's a little bit bit of work to be done, um, but, but people who are interested in sporting or community sponsorships should consider it seriously. Uh, do your homework, look at the, the sort of things that would interest those that market that you're targeting and, uh, and, and go from there. But uh, always ensure that there is a, there's, there's going to be a level of personal reward or satisfaction, whether that might be taking your own kids to a game on the weekend of a team that you sponsor. And I can tell you, I have, I have three girls and the level of pride they show turning up to a Sydney Uni Flames game or a West Tigers game, or a Mounties, or Blacktown Workers, and seeing the name of their father's firm on the front of the jumper, I would hope, and I think is is, is you know something that that gives them a lot of pride. So um, uh, so th- these are the sorts of things that I think people should consider. Plus, you're giving back, you know, and and there's a reward in that in itself. Yeah, it's it's very much sounds like you you perceive it as as a real two way street not only for the firm, but also for the fans who get to engage and that your firm gets to engage with. Now, interestingly enough, something that I, I heard is that out of all of this uh, involvement with sports, you've also been become involved in sports administration with the West Tigers. Is that correct? Uh, yes, it is. In fact, um, I was sold a pup there. I'll tell you the story, Paul. <laughs> um, uh, on the 14th of November last year, I received a call from one of the board members inviting me down for a coffee, which I thought was curious to begin with. But as the major sponsor of the West Tigers, I, I had a very intrinsic and intimate connection and relationship with the club. But I thought it was somewhat unusual to get a phone call to be invited down, particularly the week after Barry Farrell, the previous chairman, had resigned to take up a role in India appointed by the New South Wales state government. So it seems somewhat curious that there was a vacancy on the board as for chairman, and then I get an invite down for a coffee. So I headed down and I spoke, I think it was one or two directors at the time. And of course, as I suspected, they inquired as to whether there would be any interest on my part to take on the role of chairman. All they were concerned about was to ensure that there was no conflict uh, between being the chair and my uh, position as the major sponsor. Uh, I assured them that there wasn't as major sponsor or as chair all I would ever want was the best for the club. So I thought that our interests would align as opposed to there being any conflict. And I also then asked to ensure that uh, the invitation to take on the role of chair was unanimous because you may or may not be aware of the history with the West Tigers. that There is a board that comprises representatives of the two shareholders, which is uh, West Ashfield and uh, the Balmain Club. Yes. And so I wanted to make sure that Uh, the invitation was being extended on behalf of both shareholders and that it was unanimous. And I was assured that it was. I had a very close relation, working relationship at the time with the CEO, Justin Pascoe. Uh, I was assured by Justin at that time that it was a largely honorary position, that I would turn up at the games, wave to the crowd, make a few speeches throughout the course of the year, and that would be about it. Uh, Let me assure you that's not the case. (laughs) I have probably done more work for the West Tigers (laughs) since the 14th of November than I have for Brian's Lawyers. And in fact, on occasion, I get visited by my senior members of staff to remind me who actually pays my wages. 
But uh, I'm, I'm loving it. I mean, even this weekend, for example, I probably made uh, 50 phone calls and or texts and or emails in relation to the West Tigers. Uh, it takes up a lot of my attention, but it does so willingly. Um, I love it. Um, I was an avid, avid follower of the club for many, many years. And then to be offered the opportunity to hold the position of chair was uh, surreal. Yeah, um, and it's funny because I, I took on the role. I didn't announce it to anyone, and in fact, my mother was telling me that she received a phone call from her sister because it was reported, I think, later that afternoon when they released the press statement. And my mother received the call from her sister to say, "Do you know your son's just been appointed chairman of the West Tigers?" And my mother said, "No, I don't." And when I went up to see her on the weekend, she just looked at me with that, you know, that proud glen in her eyes, as Greek mothers do have, and said, "Not bad, huh?" And I said, "No, it's not bad," <laughs> because they're all West Tigers fans as well, and for her. To, and as I say, that's that's the uh, uh, the extent of the um, the congratulations. But I know how sincere that is, and how much pride they would have that all of us, the extended family, and all of us are, are huge West Tigers fans. And for one of us to be elevated and offered the opportunity of of holding the position of chair was just uh, incredible, incredible opportunity. So I'm doing what I can to make the position mine. Um, I have not. Uh, I'm, I'm not the sort of fellow that would impose myself on any board as such. I'm more of a listener and facilitator, uh, listen to the views of all, but the board's been incredible in terms of the support it provides. And as I say, um, and I think the fact that I'm a, a solicitor of over 30 years standing holds me in good stead to be the chair because part of your training as a, as a lawyer is to identify issues and identify solutions. And so I think on any board, I think that's a um, an incredible asset to have. Um, and it's one that I've been able to glean over all these years. And it's one that I've learned from those who have mentored me. So uh, it's one that I'm now applying. It's, a, it's an asset or an attribute that I'm applying now to my role as the chair. But I am humbled, um, genuinely humbled by uh, the appointment. It's really interesting to hear how the growth of the relationship between yourself and sport has blossomed over the years, basically from this first toe in the water with the with the Bryden's lawyers, Sydney Uni Flames. Uh, very true, but but there's a grand scheme at play, though, and I'll, 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 you, Paul, being of Greek background yourself, you'll understand this. This is a this is an attempt to Hellenise the entire sporting uh, <laughs> <laughs> landscape. I mean, I'm the chair of the West Tigers. Nick Politis is the chair of the Roosters. Peter Vlanders is the chair of the NRL. Jim Sorrentinos is the CEO of Parramatta. Nick Pappas is the chair of uh, South Sydney. So slowly but surely, we're just going to Hellenise all sport in New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, it's taken us a while, but that's where we're going. Um, and look, I know we've kind of stepped away a little bit from basketball and the Flames, but it's, it's an interesting conversation. You've also become the sponsor of the New South Wales Blues. I have. Now, again, that was an evolution through our sponsorship of the NRL clubs. And with respect to the NRL clubs, I'm presently the sponsor of, major sponsor of the West Tide, but also sponsor South Sydney and uh, Newcastle. And I am also the major sponsor of the two Canterbury Cup teams being Blacktown Workers and Mounties. And I do sponsor Wentworthville Leagues Club as well. So we have a very significant involvement in rugby league at the elite level, but also at the grassroots level. I'm the sponsor, major sponsor of the um, Milpera Colts and the Kemp's Creek Tigers. So these are things of, of which I am very, very proud. And of course, being so identifiable with the NRL uh, and these NRL teams, we came to the attention of the New South Wales Rugby League and were offered the opportunity of becoming involved with the Blues, which we did for a little while as a tier two sponsor, if I can put it that way. And then it was two years ago when they came to us with an opportunity to become the major sponsor 
of the New South Wales Blues. And that was an incredible opportunity because there is probably no more high-profile uh, brand in sport in New South Wales than the Blues. Um, for, for you know, every year the um, the New South Wales State of Origin games on TV are the highest rating TV programs. Everyone in New South Wales who follows rugby league supports the New South Wales Blues, unless of course you're of uh, Queensland extraction. Uh, so it was an opportunity for us to elevate ourselves across the entire spectrum, rather than um, sponsoring individual teams, sponsor a team that represents all of New South Wales. Now, we are a New South Wales-based firm. I have not crossed the borders uh, in the state to any significant degree. I'm more than happy to uh, continue in New South Wales. There's plenty of work here. I don't need to go anywhere else. So um, it seemed to me to be a natural evolution and a perfect synergy given the relationship we have with sport in general, the NRL or rugby league specifically, and then the team that represents all of New South Wales. And so um, it's been a very, very happy uh, marriage for the last two years. This year will be year three, and I have extended my um, association, my sponsorship for another three years after this year. That's great. That's fantastic to hear. And I'm guessing that this relationship with sport has obviously given you an opportunity to see how COVID's actually affected sport. I mean, we've all seen the reports in the papers about the financial impacts on sport. How do you think that sport generally is going to change given the, the, the shocks that the pandemic has caused? It's, it's very hard to say, Paul, because at one time there I was absolutely convinced that uh, the pandemic was transformative of society in general forever. I thought there were going to be changes imposed upon us which would remain with us forever. For example, extending your hand to a stranger. And I thought, well, that may have gone now. But I don't think it has. I, I mean, I see now people still shaking hands and people in cafes and, and drinking out of the cups and, and using the cutlery and the like. So I, I think we're a resilient bunch and I think we're going to bounce back a lot better and sooner than what I had anticipated. And I think the same can apply to sport. I think once we get through this pandemic, and we will, there'll be um, vaccines and treatments developed and uh, hopefully we'll be able to put it behind us in the next six months or 12 months entirely. And it'll, it'll just be um, you know, a, a, a bad dream. But I, I think that sport will bounce back. I, it's, it's hard to fathom any permanent effects of the pandemic on the way that sport is played or administered. As I said to you, if you had asked me this question a month or so ago, I might have given you a very different answer. Um, the clubs now all comprise clean and dirty zones, for example, those who are within the bubble and those who are outside the bubble. But once this pandemic passes, will there be any need for a clean or a dirty, a dirty zone? I, I, I can't see it. Uh, and I think people would like to get back to some semblance of normality. Now, the impact has been significant financially, of course, on the NRL across the board, as well as all other sports. I mean, you can see that overseas as well, the EPL and uh, in America, the NBA and, um, and the like. Um, here in Australia, it has been as well, but we will come through it. I mean, it may take some time to bounce back financially and to get things back into order. But I think, as I say, if you have to contemplate a permanency in any change to the game, it's, it's hard to think that what that might be. Now, I know with respect to the NRL, and I'm not disclosing any secrets here because Peter Vlanis has been very vocal about this, there was a lot of waste in the game. I mean, he's looking at saving $50 million in operational costs in the NRL next year. Now, it concerns me that if you can find $50 million saving in operational costs, there's obviously a lot of wastage. And so he's doing an excellent job of finding that. So it, it may have been an opportunity for us to look a lot closer at ourselves 
uh, things that we may have taken for granted, um, opportunities, for example, in terms of um, sponsorship or the return on investment, things that we've been a little bit taken for, it makes us work a little bit harder. That might remain, that, that extra focus, that's that, that sort of um, that drive, because what, what, what's the old saying that um, necessity is the mother of all invention? Yes. Uh, I, I think that applied to the business. People had to adapt. So there will be some business practices, whether that's the administration of sport or a firm like Brian's Lawyers. I think they will remain with us. You become a lot more focused. But I would hope, though, that we would be able to return to some semblance of normality in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, it's. I think take longer probably than people think. But I'm pretty sure we're going to get there. I am interested in in getting your opinion on some of the issues that you see around the finances of sport, and not so much around NRL. This is just it's a more a general thing. One of the yep. things I've noticed is that television and television rights and media rights generally seem to have gotten crunched over this period. Do you see that this is going to to come back? with the sort of numbers that it used to have? Or do you think that this period of, of, of watching costs is going to help? Uh, look, it's hard to say. But as I said, I think there are some elements of the pandemic that will remain with us. And I think that's us looking far more intrinsically in terms of your cost structures and the like. Now, sports are so reliant upon things such as sponsorship, broadcast rights and the like. And as you know, uh, Foxel has extended to, I think, 2027 the sort of numbers that we speak of are astronomical, of course, and how they translate then into distribution to the various leagues and then through to clubs and then through down to players has been, from my perspective, very interesting to watch now that I'm on the inside as the chairman of the West Tigers. Because if you ran a sporting organisation along traditional business models, uh, no one would ever invest. It's a very odd sort of arrangement. Now, many of the NRL clubs, of course, have a symbiotic relationship with leagues clubs, where if they get themselves into any spot of financial trouble, you just simply hop across the road and collect a check for three, four, five million dollars, whatever the case might be. For the basketball, women's basketball in particular, it's been a challenge. Funding has been an incredible challenge. And that's because of the limited funding available through government sponsorships and government programs and the like. Um, You know yourself the challenges that the women's basketball has had in terms of securing broadcast deals. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, broadcasting only one game live per week, for example, and other games being broadcast, you know, through the net. So that limits viewing audiences. Uh, with respect to sport in itself, you've got Channel 9, Channel 7, Channel 10, of course, the primary um, free-to-air networks, but then you've got Foxtel, and it's only, and I did not realise this until a while ago, that it's only 30% of households in Australia that actually have Foxtel. So um, the overwhelming majority of Australians do not have Foxtel, and therefore access to a lot of international uh, sports. I mean, even the NRL here, for example, it's only two games a week on free-to-air, the Friday night game and the Sunday afternoon game. So if you are an, an avid NRL follower, you've got to get Foxtel for the other six games. So there is a, um, a symbiotic uh, and very uh, entrenched uh, relationship between sport, sponsorship and broadcast deals. And I think there's a real reliance on, on each other. Over, overarching all that, I think you've also got to consider the role of the government, uh, who administers um, a lot of these grants and the like for the promotion of sport. Now, sport in itself and the importance of sport in our community can never be overstated. So I think there is a huge moral obligation on governments to ensure that there is a sport available within the community at all levels. And, 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 to promote, and to be promoting it at all levels. From a commercial perspective, there will be some sports that are more attractive than others. They're the ones that appear on prime time on your Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoons on your television. But 
there's there has to be an obligation, I think, on us corporate sponsors and the government to ensure that the other sports, perhaps not as high profile, receive their fair share of the limelight. So there are competing interests. There are those who are driven by the return of investment to ensure that if they're going to be committing hundreds of millions of dollars to a broadcast deal, they're going to be receiving something back. And at the other end of the scale, there are those who want to make sure that the kids have got you know the right sort of gear to play every weekend at the local park. So it's an interesting conundrum. To some extent, I think we get it right. There's always room for improvement. I think sport in Australia, generally speaking, has got it right. You can judge that by the level of participation. The number of kids that turn out and play uh, netball and soccer and rugby league, which I think I think the levels of participation are world class. I think we, I mean we are a, a very highly engaged sporting uh, populace, which is I think a reflection of of many factors. But um, I think generally speaking, we get it right. But it, there it is an interesting conundrum with the competing interest to make sure we get it get it always right. Yeah, and it's true about the the level of participation because obviously as a country we do tend to punch above our weight in. A number of sports, obviously the the opals are, are a prime example of that. Um, uh, abs- ab- what, what a credit they are! I mean, you know, I mean, a, a country of what we are, you know, twenty seven million people or something, and to be be actively competing against some of these powerhouse nations like in Europe, across Europe, and in America. If you actually sit back and think about it, it's it's pretty astounding concept that uh, a country that really doesn't have basketball as one of its primary sports can be up there and comp- be competing for medals all the time at Olympic level and at World Cup level. Uh, surprising, yet not surprising, given how competitive uh, populous we are. It's true. Um, um, I, I, just think, I just think it's in the Australian DNA that we just compete, and if there's an opportunity for us to compete, we will do so. I mean, Australians generally, I think, are viewed upon uh, uh, by those abroad as being a country that's very competitive but very fair, uh, very true uh, in spirit uh, to the, the game itself, whatever game that might be. Uh, I think we are regarded highly, highly in the sporting arena. I think other countries you know, like to visit Australia to play sports and like Australians visiting them to play sports. So I think that's a credit to us as a nation, but we are a very competitive nation by, by nature. So n- nothing surprises me. Lee, I'd really like to thank you for your time today. Um, I know you're a busy man. Really appreciate the your your insights into sports, sports sponsorship, the Flames and the NRL. At some point in time, I'd really love to be able to check back in with you and sort of get a bit of an update on how things are going. No, look, it has been my pleasure, Paul. I'll just... Um work out the time that we've spent together and I'll invoice the flame separately. <laughs> we're, on an, we're, we're on an hourly rate, of course, and I'll, I'll work something out with, <laughs> with the, the powers that beat it. No, look, it has been my pleasure. And in fact, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed the opportunity about thinking about things that you don't ordinarily do, that you take for granted, or things that have been in place now for so long, they just look after themselves. But I mean, I'm very proud of this firm. I'm very proud of its involvement. I'm very proud of the people uh, that work with me. And as I say, not for, but with me. Um, in elevating Bryden's lawyers into a place where I think it's regarded generally most favourably. And um, as I say, to see my name appear on the front of the the Uniflames jumper and the jumpers of other sporting organisations is a real credit to those who, who work here with me. Thanks so much for your time, Lee. Thank you.